Hello to you, you wonderful Glenridge family. It is great to be with you again. Uh, last week I got to preach at Kingsway Church International, KCR. So I was hosting here and at the same time I was preaching at 9 o'clock or just after half past 9 down at Kingsway in Toti. Can you believe that? I was in two places at once. Uh, but it was a great privilege to be down there with them. And uh, it was great to enjoy the service with you on Sunday. I was between two services trying to go on and trying to comment and trying to watch everybody and everything. And was it, what a, it was quite, a, quite, a, quite an ordeal, but just an amazing, amazing experience, actually. Bless you guys. We thank you. I trust that you are doing well uh, this week. I, as I've said before, I've had my moments. In fact, it's more than moments. I've had days. Days of down in the pit and try to try to get myself up again. I spoke to somebody yesterday and I said, hey, how are you going? And he said, oh, I'm an absolute hypocrite. I said, why are you a hypocrite? He said, no, man, I'm telling people you've got to be positive and up and actually I'll be negative and down. And uh, friends, I just want to tell you that is part of this journey of walking with God. We go through days and we go through up days and we go through down days. God doesn't remember our, 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 our tripping, our, our just our, our, as long as we're falling forwards into what God has for us. Friends, it's part of the life. It's, it's, we can trip, but tripping is not failure. It's, it's, we've got we to gotta understand those things in God and learn to, to find our way back to God and find our, dig our own wells. And that's what God's teaching us. He's teaching us to dig our own wells. Just two quick things that are, that are it's something that's two things that have significantly helped me over the last week. I had a, a significant moment of repentance the other day and uh, in the morning and my wife is looking at me and laughing and saying, what do you mean? I did. I had a significant moment of repentance and it has significantly changed my, my outlook, my spiritual uh, countenance, if you like. And I, I read this text and I want to read it to you. It says this, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Romans chapter 1 verse 13. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that, have been, that have exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Friends, I tell you, at the moment, there is all sorts of thoughts of what's right. Is lockdown good? Is lockdown not proving any more health effect? Is it all the, all the arguments are going around? Friends, and I've gone there and I've looked at there and I've tried to keep myself informed. But at the end of the day, it comes to this, friends. It says this. It says that those who rebel against the authority that God has instituted will bring judgment on themselves. And I realized, you know what, our government, even if they're not doing this well and are not doing it the way we think or you think or I think should be done, they are, they, they are still, they are, not, they, are, they are not from the devil. They are, met, they are put in place to be a gift from God to us. And friends, we have got to make sure that we are praying for our government and that we are not rebelling against the government, which means rebelling against God and bringing condemnation on ourselves. Friends, I had such a moment on the other morning where I thought, God, please forgive me. The thoughts that I've had, the, the, the just, Father, I, I want to pray for Cyril Ramaphosa and his, and his cabinet and, and the NCCC and where the, all the bits and everything that's going on about it. Father, will you give them wisdom? Will you? I want to be a praying citizen, not a complaining citizen. 
Friends, I want to tell you, it significantly changed my outlook. It was like something came off of me and I could see again. And I think what was happening with me there is that actually what was happening is, is that I was coming under a rebellion of the authority that God instituted and it was actually bringing judgment on me. And I could feel the weight. It was just murky, horrible place to be in, angry place to be in. And it feel, I feel like something's come off me. Please, friends, can I ask you at this time, let's not, let's not get into this place. And what I'm going to do is in the next two weeks, I'm going to, put a, I'm going to do a little preach on this thing on government and, and how we respond to government and how we submit to government well. And we'll put it on the GC Conversations podcast. But friends, can I just ask you at this time, let's not bring condemnation on ourselves, friends. When we rebel against the government, we're actually rebelling and sinning against God. And many of you are going to be thinking, yeah, but Stan, what happens if they do this and how far do you go? Friends, they haven't gone anywhere near that depth of, of, of um, evil or wrong at this stage. So let's pray for them. They're not the Nazi government, friends. We've got to pray for them and we've got to trust God for His purposes and plans. That was my first thing. My second rev- great revelation was this, and this is going to just blow you away. Because it is so simple. Friends, God's sovereignty over South Africa and over the nations of the world trump any conspiracy theory that could possibly exist. God's sovereignty is over the Illuminati and whatever that means and whoever that group of people are, if you believe that. And God's sovereignty, friends, is over the cabinet of South Africa, over the government of South Africa. And friends, God is more sovereign than what they are. And if you believe that, we become a praying people and we shift the atmosphere in a nation. And I want to say to you this morning, if you've been in that place and you have been just angry and you're getting frustrated, Friends, repent for your rebellion like I did and let the, let the grace of God fill your heart so that we can get through this in strength and go from strength to strength. I wanna, I, I've taken some time to put that in before I preach because I really feel it is significant for us. It was significant for me. And if it's significant for me because I'm just like you, it will be significant for you. And uh, I, I trust that that is helpful. Go and do business with God. Doing business with God is repenting, friends. Doing business with God is saying, God, I want to live according to your scriptures. I don't want to live according to my feelings, and I don't want to live according to the narratives that are flying around in the media. And let's do what we know to do and trust that the sovereign hand of God, which we participate with with, and partner with, absolutely come and do something significant in this nation. Can I do that? I've got a a little five-minute intro before. Give me five minutes extra on my preach. That was just to, just to kind of settle us um, in the season going forward. It was helpful to me. I think it will be helpful to you. But we are in a series in the book of Acts at the moment. And what we're going to do in this series is that we're going to go through the series and we're going to kind of use it as a bit of a framework as well. So next week is, is Pentecost. So what we're going to do is I'm going to preach on Pentecost. And then we're going to go into a little three or four week mini series on the Holy Spirit. And we're going, to, we're going to drill down a little bit. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? And what is the perp? Why, why was the Holy Spirit given? And, and all these things. We're going to see how to, how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're going, to, we're going to unpack that as we, because it's so key in this time moving forward. But this morning, what I want to do is I, as we get to continue with the book of Acts. Remember the last time I preached is I preached about a new breed leadership that starts to emerge in the book of Acts. And I said, Peter stood up. 
amongst the eleven. And Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and started, this man that had denied Jesus. And there was a standing up that, that happens as Pentecost moves into, does its work and take its, takes its effect on people. The Spirit of God does its work. People start to stand up. And I want to kind of do a part two of this new breed leaders. And uh, what, I'm, what I want to do is I want to I look at a new breed leadership um, and, but I want to look at the life of Gideon. And I've preached on this before a number of years ago. But we were in the elders meeting this week. And we were talking prophetically, what is God doing? And, and one of the highlighted portions was this, this idea of a Gideon, the new breed leadership being this kind of Gideon kind of leadership. And so what I want to do is I want to take some time and just look at the life of Gideon. Uh, uh, and see what God wants to do in your life, friends. What does God want to do in your life? Because, friends, Gideon is you and me. Gideon is not that guy that kind of was a reluctant leader. No, Gideon is you and me. Every single person that calls himself a follower of Jesus is a leader of some kind. And the reason why I tell you that is because you're called to make disciples if you're a, if you're a disciple of God, which means that you, to, the very nature of making another disciple is being an influencer or being a leader. So everybody is a, is a leader in the kingdom of God. And we've got to start seeing ourselves as a leader instead of hiding away from what God has for us. Because I, I can tell you right now, there's more on your life than what you know. Let's get into the book of Judges chapter 6 and 7. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to just talk about bits and pieces of it because it's just going to take too much time. But in the, in the book of Judges, the context is this. It says in verse 2 of Judges chapter 6, it says the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains and cliffs and claves, uh, caves and strongholds. And so, so the context is this, the people of God are, are, are being oppressed by the power of this nation called Midian. And there's two words that in the, in the opening verses of chapter 6, there's two words that stand up, stand out, overwhelmed is the one word, and the other word is impoverished, overwhelmed and impoverished. So what happens is this people is so, are so numerous, it says you can't even count their camels. They're so numerous, and I'd love you to go and read chapters 6 to 7 and kind of listen to this and then read 6 and 7, and hopefully it'll make a whole lot more sense to you and kind of put, fill in the blanks where there are blanks. But it's these two words, overwhelmed and impoverished. And so this group of people were overwhelmed by this enemy, and they were impoverishing them. Their animals were coming and grazing on all their, all their, their harvest, and they were just taking what they wanted, and they'd come in and just take what they want and leave them with nothing. And so the context of, of Gideon being raised up by God to lead in this time is this, overwhelmed and impoverished. Do those two words mean anything to you in this season? I think there's a lot of people being overwhelmed and there's a lot of people that feel like they're becoming more and more impoverished as we're not getting back to work and, and all that's going down and there's fear and there's worry. Overwhelmed and impoverished. So that's the context of of uh, uh, Gideon coming into the place. And what's amazing, it, in, 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 in verse 6, it says this. It says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So they were so overwhelmed and they were so impoverished that they cried out to the Lord for help. Aren't we like that, friends? Before we overwhelmed and before we impoverished, we're not really crying out. We think we got it all wet 
waxed. But actually now we're overwhelmed and impoverished. People are crying out for help. My question to you, one of my questions to you this morning is this. How does God help them? How does God help them? Must I tell you how God helps them? God helps them by raising up a leader. And I want to say to us in this time, friends, God will help this nation and God will help your family and God will help our church community and God will help the kingdom of God come by raising up leaders at this time. Leadership is absolutely key, friends. At all levels in society and all places of society, leadership is absolutely key. God helps them by raising up a leader. And friends, we see that right through the scriptures. In Genesis, God raised up Adam. I mean, uh, raised up Abraham. In, in, in Egypt, God raises up Moses. And on Moses, he does the work. And then Moses helps people move into what they have. In the book of Kings, God raises up David and Solomon and all these people. God raises up a David to take the kingdom on. In the book of Acts, God raises up Peter. Peter stands up. And although, these, uh, although he's in a team and although there's, a, there's, there's 11 others, God raises him up at that moment to speak and to, to, bring, to bring clarity to the situation. And of course, if we understand the, the big picture of God, the, the ultimate help that humanity needed, God sent Jesus as our, our ultimate help. In fact, Jesus was not just a help, but he actually revealed what the ultimate kind of helping leader is in, you, in, in the world. And, and he becomes an example and a model for us of what it means to be a leader that helps. But friends, what we can do, what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Gideon and just look at some of the things that God teaches us through Gideon that will be applicable to you and to me um, so that we can begin to lead at this time. Friends, that this nation needs leaders. It needs people that are not coming with their problems. It's people that are coming with solutions. It needs leaders. It needs people to stand up and take responsibility for their sphere of influence, which might be your life or your home or your friends or your family and your church and your community and your city and all those sorts of things. Friends, God needs leaders at this time to stand up and, and bring clarity to people and bring life to people and bring joy and release joy and faith into the life of the community. And friends, what happens is in the life of Gideon, is God goes and finds this guy that's hiding. He, he's hiding. He's hiding in a wild wine press threshing wheat. Now you can say, you know what, Stan, he's threshing wheat. They've got to eat and the, the, the Midianites are coming. Yeah, but he's hiding. He's doing his business. He's trying to make a living, but he's hiding. He's hiding. And my impression this morning as I've been preparing is this, is that there's many of us that are hiding. We're doing our thing and, we, and we're trying to make a living, but we're actually hiding from what God has for us in the wine press and threshing our wheat. But actually God is saying, actually, I haven't just called you to hide and to live in smallness. You know what, friends, when we hide in fear, it limits us. It brings limitation to us. This is what fear does, friends. And if you're fearful of leading at this stage because you feel inadequate and you feel you're not qualified and you feel, well, how can God use me? Or maybe you feel like you're overqualified and you're, what do you need? And friends, I want to tell you right now, if there's fear in your life, it will limit you. If there's fear in your life, it will make you small. If there's fear in your life, you'll be doing the right thing, but never on the scale that God wants you to do it. At best, you'll do the right thing in small ways. 
And that's what fear does, friends. God has not called us to be doing the right thing in small ways at this time. God wants us to do the God thing in big ways at this time. And I want to encourage you this morning by looking at the life of Gideon. So what are some of the things we can see from how God uses Gideon? In the story of Gideon, God goes to this guy. He raises him up. He's hiding away. He goes to him and he speaks to him. He's very reluctant. He pushes back and, and he, he, he kind of says, I'm not qualified. And he feels like he's never heard God enough. Does it sound a lot like us? And he wants to hear God over and over and over again. He's a fearful guy. He's an anxious guy. He doesn't, even, even at the last moment, I mean, he has done some significant things and seen some significant things. He is, he, and angels come and spoken to him and called him a mighty warrior. And the angel, he prepares some food for the angel. And the angel consumes the food with fire. Now, now, friends, I, I don't know if you've had, any, had, a, had, a, had a table of food in front of you and you've been with an angel and the angel has been speaking to you and the fire, the fire has consumed the food. You might think that that would kind of get your attention and know that God's speaking to you. Not for Gideon. And I want to say, not for us, friends. It's amazing how the miraculous doesn't, isn't always a key to the greater things of God in our lives. We can see those things, but unless we have a revelation of who God is and who we are and our identity in God and our purpose in God, we never end up getting on to what God has for us. And so he, he goes on and he puts out fleeces. He, he gets told to go and cut down a, take a bull of his father and cut down the Asherah pole, which they were worshiping, and to create a proper altar. And they use the wood from the Asherah pole and they use the, the, the bull and he offer a sacrifice to God. And he does that at night. He, he kind of, he can't do it. At, he's taking one step. He just does it at night. He doesn't do it during the day because he's a little bit scared. Anyway, it, it comes out and his father defends him and, and the God, and it says the Spirit of God came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet and he, and he called a whole army together, friends. But still, he's a little bit worried. What, God, have, have you said it? Now listen, friends, you start blowing a trumpet and you start putting a call out. You go into the middle of Durban and put a call out and say, hey guys, God's with us. We're going and see how many people come to you. Friends, it's, that is a God thing. When you put thousands of people together under, under the anointing, under the Holy Spirit of God, God is with them completely. He, asks for, he then goes on to say, God, if it's really you, give me fleeces. And he asks for two different kinds of fleeces. And over time, he gets this, this uh, let me just get the, my Bible open here. He, over time, he, he kind of starts to, okay, well, I'm going to take a next step. And the next thing, he, he goes down and he, he goes down to the, to the enemy. And um, he overhears them because he's still, not, he's still unsure. He's still unsure. You know, it's one thing to hear God. It's another thing to execute what God has said. Revelation is not just meant to be in our heads. Revelation is meant to get to our hands in action. That's what revelation is for. And so eventually he gets to that place. And so, and then God says to him, listen, if you're still fearful, go down to the enemy and listen to what they're saying. And they go down, he goes down there and they are, he overhears the enemy speaking about a dream that they had, this barley loaf coming down the hill and decimating the tents of, of Midian. And the, and the interpretation to the dream was that's Gideon and his army. God's with them. We're in trouble. And Gideon gets this incredible excitement because he's heard the interpretation. He realized God is with him and he goes back and it says, and he worshiped God and then he mobilizes the army. So right up until, right up until that time, he is kind of all over the place, friends. What are some of the things that we can learn from Gideon's life 
These are some things that I've written down that we can learn from Gideon's life. The first thing is this, is that God uses someone, God uses people that haven't got it all together. If you think you've got to have it all together and you've got to have some theological degree and you've got to have some kind of, God and your life has to be perfect. Friends, God uses people that haven't got it all together. He was just as fearful as the people he was leading. And I want to say to you, step out of the boat at this time, take responsibility and start leading. Start leading in your home. Start leading in your business. Start leading in the church, friends. We need another 20 or 30 small groups, Zoom groups that we can connect people into. Start leading. Make yourself available and see what God does with you. The second thing that I see from the life of Gideon that we can learn is that the fears that we, that we, that we all harden, the fears that we, we, we keep ourselves separate from what God is wanting to do, God preempts. And so actually there's no excuses for this. And so, and so what, what I see is the three big, big, big um, ideas or excuses or fears that people have to stop stepping out into what God has. And the first one is this, and I see this in the life of, he, he says this, but God, how can you be with us and how can you be in this when all this is going on? Have you abandoned us? He actually goes on to say. He says, you've actually abandoned us. Friends, the first fear is we think that God is not with us. And what God says to him, the angel says to Gideon, he says to Gideon, he says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I want to say to you, friends, the Lord is with you, mighty warriors. Don't think that God is not with you. Don't think that God has abandoned you. And I want to even say to you, you who are even distant from God and have walked away from God, God is closer to you than you think. The, the hound of heaven is after your heart. And he is with you and he is on you. And he is speaking to you at this time. And he wants you to come back to him at this time. The second, the second big fear that, that, that stops us from leading is this. And, and, and Gideon says this, I'm the weakest and I'm the least. I'm the weakest and I'm the least in my family. I'm the weakest. We've got the weakest clan and, I've got the, and I'm the least in my family. And so what happens is because we think we're the weakest and we're the least, we stay in our wine press and we, and we st keep hiding and we, get in, and we stay in smallness instead of stepping out of the wine press and getting on with what God has called us to do. And, and he says this to Gideon. He says, Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? Isn't it incredible? You who think you're weak and you who think you're the least. God says, don't worry. Go as you are. Go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. Even if, because actually I'm sending you. It's not about your strength. It's about the sending of my strength. It's about the power of my strength ordaining and purposing and taking and sending you. It's because of the authority of my sending that actually you are going to do what you are called to do. Stop being fearful about being the weakest and the least. Stop being fearful about being the weakest or the least. Friends, I want to say to you, if this was true of me, I was not born a leader. All my friends at school were prefects except me. 
I was not born a leader. I'm not born a natural communicator. When I look at Heather and I look at some of the other guys, Drew, and how they preach, they are natural communicators. I am not a natural communicator. It's hard for me and it's difficult for me to choose my words and to be thinking and my mind's racing and, and, I, and I've kind of, I've got so much that I want to say. Friends, I want to say to you, friends, if I had to think like that, I wouldn't be here this morning preaching. God uses the weakest and the least amongst us because it is His sending power that takes us forward, not our strength that takes us forward. I want to encourage you. And the third thing that leaders hide from is I'm all alone. We think we're all alone. And God says this to Gideon. He says, Gideon, I'm with you and you together will strike down Midian. It's not about you doing it on your own, friends. It's about us together doing it. So God sends by his power, but he doesn't just send Gideon. He sends Gideon with an army, with a, with a nation, with a group of people, with a team of people. And they go and do what God's got for you. You're never called to do this alone. You're called to do this together. So friends, those three big things. God's with me. In fact, he's against me. No, he's not. Mighty warrior. Go, mighty warrior. I'm sending you, mighty warrior. Or I'm the weak and the least. No, go in the strength you have because it is me that's sending you. That's the power that's coming. And you, I'm alone. I can't do this. I, how can I do this? I'm alone. I'm a single woman. Friends, I want to say to you, all you single ladies out there, I want to say to you, get out, of the, get out of the wine press and start leading. And start, get out of the wine press and start leading. Stop living in smallness. Stop letting your singleness, stop letting whatever the excuses limit you to what you have. God has power. It's God sending power on you that will take you into what he has for you. Start leading. Come and speak to us. Come and say, Stan, I want to open my, my computer for a Zoom call at this time. Let me just wipe my brow. I want to. I want to take. I want. I want. I want to take responsibility for some people. I want to take phoning some people and caring for some people. Please send me people. We'll look after them, and start leading in every sphere, not just the church. That's the second thing. Our fears that keep us in hiding, God has already spoken into. It's absolutely profound. Number three, of the, some things that we we learn from Gideon is that God works with imperfect faith. God works with imperfect faith, friends. Friends, our faith, we, we don't do this job. And, and whether you're a preacher or whether you lead a church or a business or whatever you do, friends, I want to say to you, God never works with perfect faith. None of us have got perfect faith. None of us have got perfect faith. And God uses people with imperfect faith. Friends, from a voice of an angel to a flaring rock that consumes the thing, to fleeces, to, to asking God questions all the time, right to the very end, and eventually getting there. God still uses Gideon. And I want to say to you, you don't have to have perfect faith. You just have to have to go in the strength that you have and put your trust in Him, and He will use you and help you lead profoundly. The fourth thing is this, is God works with people that don't mind being in process. God works with, so you see with Gideon, there's this kind of progression in his life from arguing with an angel to, to kind of taking the next step and, and building the altar and cut, taking his dad's cow and cutting down the Asherah pole, but, but, and he does it at night, but at least he does it. 
He doesn't do it in broad daylight. Hey, God's spoken to me. Now he sneaks around at night, but at least he does it, friends. He's doing something. And then what you do is you see him blowing a trumpet and gathering people. And then, and then he's still got fleeces. But he's in process, friends. God, Gideon is in a process of God using him. Friends, we've all got processes. The grace of God, Timothy says, or sorry, Titus says, the grace of God trains us or teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We're in a training and teaching process, and God allows the processes, uses the processes in our lives for us to lead through them and actually encourage, encourage others along the way. The last thing that we see from Gideon's life that we, that we can learn from this, 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 this picture, this, this leader that's starting to, this new breed leadership that's coming up. And this is a big one. God only needs, God only needs 1% of the strength and ability that you have to be successful. God only needs 1% of the strength and ability that we think we need to be successful. Why do I say that? Well, friends, what I see in the book of Gideon is that he gathers an army of 32,000 people. The Spirit of God comes on and he blows a trumpet and, he, and he, they gather these 32,000 people. And God says to them, he says this very, very incredible thing. He says to them, Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian. 32,000, th you've got too many men. Listen, can I just say, we've got to know the vastness of this Midianite army. You couldn't count them. Like, you just couldn't, they were overwhelming. So, so just to put it in context, 32,000 people, not going to do it anyway. Sometimes we forget that. We think the best of our strength is going to conquer it. But actually, compared to the Midianite army, 32,000 versus a few hundred thousand, they're going to get slaughtered anyway. But kind of, we don't think like that. We think that we're going to do this because we think we're strong. But God only needs 1% of your strength and ability to get the job done. And so he goes to him and he says, 32,000, he says, actually, anybody that's fearful, they can go home. And he says, goes to the army, anybody that's fearful, off you go. 22,000, leave him. 22,000. Friends, two-thirds of his army get up and go because they're fearful. I wonder, I wonder if that is an indication of the fact that in our city, two-thirds of the people now are quaking in their boots and would rather go home and not fight the fight. But anyway, God, God strips him down by 22,000. And God still goes back to him. And he says, listen, you've still got too many. And the reason why he says he's got too many, he says, you've got too many, to, uh, to, uh, you've got too many men to deliver Midian into your hands in order that Israel might not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Isn't it incredible? When we boast in our own strength, we're actually not boasting about ourselves. We're boasting against God, it says. He says, I don't want Israel to boast against me. You see, friends, we've got to boast about God and what He's done, not boast in our own strength. And it's not just about me boasting towards me. It's actually being antagonistic towards God, the way He words that. And so He says, listen, you've, got, you've, got, you've still got too many. And He goes down to 300 takes him down to 300 he goes from 32,000 down to 300 people 
and he whittles them down, 300. Friends, uh, 300 of 32,000 is less than 1%. That's why I'm saying God only needs 1% of the strength and the ability that we think we need. God only needs 1% of that. The rest is all him. And so he strips this army down and he says, right, now you're ready to go and fight the battle. But the thing is, friends, it, 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 that's wonderful. The, the problem with that is now you've got to now, once you've stripped down to the 1%, now you're even more reliant on God. Because, you know, the, the battle plan, our plan with 32,000 is a very different plan to God's with 300. Our plan was probably with force and get the biggest guns and we get a secret weapon. God says to them, listen, go and pick up your, your trumpet and go and pick up your, your, your lantern, your torch. And I want you, the three of you, to go and surround the army. And then what I want you to do when the time's right, I want you to break your lantern and I want you to blow your trumpet and I want you to shout. And that's going to bring victory. Now, friends, that's not your traditional military tactics to win a battle. That's God's plan. That's not your plan. So you see, what happens is when we move into the 1% strength, when we, when we go move into the 99% strength of God, we want to see the 99% strength of God outward through our lines. We've got to make sure that the plans we put in place are God's plans. We've also got to make sure that the weapons that we use are God's weapons and not our weapons. You see, our weapon is a secret weapon, atomic bomb that just obliterates. God comes with things that are not even weapons. They're like worship items. And he says, actually, that's how you're going to win this battle. And I want to remind us this morning, friends. I want to remind you so, I want you to get this, is that God is calling you to get out of the wine press and stop hiding and get into what he has for you. We need people to lead at this time. Pentecost comes and releases a priesthood that with, with power. Remember I said there's a new kingdom, there's a new authority, there's a new temple, there's a new priesthood, and there's a new breed leadership that, that the, Acts, the book of Acts begins to, to lift out of the ground and take out of the ground and then, and then see them run into what God has for them and the name of God and the, and the person of God gets glorified in the process. What weapons are you fighting with? What plans are you fighting with? And how much strength have you given? Has maybe God got the 1% and you've got the 99? Or have, God, have you got the 1% and God's relying, you're relying on God 99? Friends, we get that wrong so easily. And you know what? It's so easy to get it wrong because actually it makes sense. There's wisdom. And we say that's wisdom. Friends, that's earthly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not necessarily earthly wisdom. I'm not saying kick out kick your brains to touch. I'm not saying don't use logic, don't use rationality, don't do all those things. All I'm saying is listen to God and see what he's doing because maybe his plans are different, maybe his weapons are different, and maybe the army that he's calling you to lead is different to the one you thought you had. And maybe the business that you had is different to the one that you think you had because actually there's new, well, there's new weapons and there's new strategies and there's new plans and there's new numbers for the season and the fight that we have going on. Are you ready to lead? Are you ready to lead? And if you say no, I'll ask you why. I don't think there's an excuse at this time for the people of God to not be leading at some level. Let me wipe my face again. I want that to sink in, friends. I want that to sink in. This is a moment for God to mobilize the army that is the church. 
It is a significant, significant moment for us. Gideon teaches us so many things, friends. Let me just give you three things. I've got a whole list of them here, but let me just give you three things quickly. Of the kind of leaders God is looking for. This to me is a significant one, especially with Pentecost coming. It says in verse, and have a look at it, and it says in verse 20, or sorry, 34, then the Spirit of the Lord, of verse chapter 6, verse 34, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he blew the trumpet. You know, friends, we can fall off the horse in either way here. We can, the Spirit of the Lord can come upon us, and we don't pick up the trumpet. Nothing happens. Can I just say, the Spirit of the Lord on you, with no trumpet in your hand, nothing happens. No change on earth. No heaven to earth. That's not heaven to earth. Heaven to earth is the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, and you pick up the trumpet and blow. That's when heaven comes to earth. He gathers an army. That's the one side of the that you fall off. The other side of your, the, the horse that you fall off is that we pick up a trumpet and we just start blowing with no Spirit of God on us. Friends, you can blow that trumpet to kingdom come. You can blow that trumpet for as long as you like. If there's no Spirit of God on there, you're not going to get God results. You're not going to get Spirit, Holy Spirit results. And we've got to be a people that are open to the Spirit of God at this time to come upon us and to enable us to blow the trumpet in such a way that it gathers people and takes people somewhere. Because that's what the trumpet was used for. The trumpet was used to gather and to call an army together and to lead. And at this time, God is putting a trumpet in every single one of our hands every single one of our hands and the Spirit of God is going to come upon us as we blow that trumpet. I love this thing of the barley loaves coming down the hill because barley loaves was the, was the food of the, of the humble people. This, this season requires extreme humility, friends. The kind of people God's looking for are humble people. Humble people, friends. And what we do is we, we get humili humble or humility wrong. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking more of God. So see, a humble people says this, I can't do this without God. I can't do this in my own strength. You see, that's the kind of person that God's looking for at this time is somebody that says, I'm too weak to do this. I'm the least, but, but God, you're sending me, but God, your spirit upon me, I can do anything through you that strengthens me. That's a humble person. God's looking for a humility at this time. You know what the fruit of, you know what the fruit of a humble person is? Is worship. God's looking for a worshipful leader. He listens to the dream and the interpretation of the dream down with the, with the Midianites. And it says, and he heard the interpretation and he worshipped God. You see, friends, humility breeds worship. And what's incredible is that after that worship in verse, um, verse 15 of chapter 7, it says, when Gideon, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the, to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given Midian into our hands. So he goes down, hears the dream, he worships God. 
Now listen, he's not singing a, 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 a set of songs. He is worshiping God. Worship is way more deeper than singing songs. It's this, it's this putting God first where we give everything and we worship Him. We, we have intimacy with Him. It's relational. It's, and it's singing songs. It expresses itself in the singing of songs. And so what happens, he starts to worship God. And after worshiping God, he goes to the people and says, right, get up, we're going. It puts faith in his heart. You see, humility leads to worship. Worship leads to faith. Faith leads to the army being defeated and mobilized and then de and defeat the enemy de being defeated. Where are you with that, friends? Are you worshipful at this time? Are you putting God first? Are we living in a humble place? Are we allowing the Spirit of God to come upon us that we might blow the trumpet in accordance with His plan? I've got a whole bunch of other things. I want to end with this. Not only does He put a trumpet in His hand at the end, He puts a torch in His hand. Craig Keener in his background commentary to, to um, talking about this story of Gideon, is that in a traditional army, you would only have very few people that would have a trumpet and would have a, a, a torch or a, a light in their hands. And so when, and he, and the, the, the commentators say that when they looked up and saw 300 of these lights and trumpets blowing, they thought this army must be absolutely massive. And that was the kind of practical reason why they fled and kind of went into confusion. But friends, God wants to put a trumpet and a torch into our hands. And you know, you know what a light brings? You know what light does? And, and they take it, it's concealed, and at the right time they break it and the light shines. And then they blow their trumpet. You know what the light is? You know what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16? It says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, part of the light that we shine, it's the light of truth, it's the light of the gospel, but it's also the light of good deeds so that people may look at that and praise your Father in heaven. So you do it in such a way that it brings praise to the Father. Friends, we at this time, God is putting faith into our hearts. The Spirit of God is coming upon us. We're going to break the, the jars and bring our good deeds into the light and, and do it in such a way, with such a heart, with such an anointing that brings faith, faith and, 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 and gives, brings praise to our Father. But we're also going to blow the trumpet and begin to lead and begin to say, God, take us into more of what you have for us. Friend, God is gathering an army at this stage and readying us for a, for a great onslaught. And not an onslaught that is going to make us bloodied. If we do it in our own strength, we're going to get blood on our hands. If we do it in our own strength, we always, we, all we're going to have on our hands is a, is a, is a, is a light and a, and a trumpet. That's all we're going to have on our hands. If we do it in our own strength, we're going to have blood on our hands. We're not going to do it in our own strength. We're going to say, God, ready us for this moment. Give us the timing. We're going to wait on you. When it's time, we're going to blow and we're going to break and we're going to keep doing our stuff and we're going to keep doing our things and we're going to allow you to move powerfully through us as a community and as a people. Friends, Gideon is you and me. Let's get out of the heart of the wine press. Let's start using all the excuses. Gideon had them. We've got them. All of us have got them. And let's allow God to do a deep work in us at this time. Let's next week be expecting it's Pentecost Sunday. Get ready for the Spirit of God to fall in your lounge with you. And let's allow God to land on the trumpets and land on the, on the torches and land on our homes and land on our hearts. And let's see what He does with it in His incredible, incredible name. I want to say bless you. I want to say thank you.
for your continued generosity. We are feeding people. The list of people is up to 81 now. And we are God is, that is part of the good deeds. We're shining our light, friends. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're strengthened. And I pray that God would use you powerfully. Father, will you come in your power and your life and breathe your goodness and your kindness and your generosity and your protection and your good health and your provision into the people, every single person in this, in our church, every single person in the city and in our nation and in the nations of the world. Father, will your kindness break in in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you.